Hey, welcome back everyone to our podcast in honor of Crane's 80th anniversary. I'm Sandy Zare. And I'm Ben Harkness. Hey, welcome Ben. Glad to have you back and looking forward to another one. Uh, remember, this is part of a broader celebration of, of our heritage and of Crane's 80th anniversary. Of course, there have been social media posts throughout featuring historical topics. Uh, we're just hitting some highlights today and sharing some personal perspective. And again, if you want details on more on these and other topics, feel free to, to check them out. IndianHistoryOrg.org uh, forward slash digital forward slash collection forward slash Crane. That's the Indian Historical Society's Crane Archive. A lot of information there, old bursts and duds, Commodore publications, a lot of historical imagery, uh, and just a lot of crane news over the last 80 years, thousands of, of things you can search from there. That's all public domain permissible to be shared. So again, the four score concept, Ben, quickly, how did we come to that? That was that was your your baby? Yeah, as you and I were talking about uh, doing this, uh, we were thinking about uh, the, how we would celebrate uh, crane and, and think a little bit about history here. And, and I heard uh, one of our employees make a comment prior to Dr. Lewis getting ready to speak uh, to her and said four score and seven years ago, kind of as a reference to Abraham Lincoln, right? right. And it, it, it caused me to think, ah, score, 20 years, divide that by four, that's, uh, yeah. get, you know, it gives 20 year increments. So that's kind of how it came about. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, looking forward to session two with you, Sandy. Yeah, let's talk about a second score then. We're talking about 1961 to 1981. And again, relying heavily on information generated by Tony Haig, Peg Julian, and some others who are crane historians. And so just want to, want to pass that along. We've had a good time, Ben and I, learning about crane's history. and. And we're not quite to your era yet, Ben, but but this is going to be some. There's going to be some people that you're familiar with who were here during that era. So looking forward to this this chat. So really talking a lot about strategic components and engineering in this era. Encompasses uh, this era encompasses the beginning and ending of the Vietnam War, and and interestingly enough, growth in Crane's affiliation with the Strategic Systems Program Office, something you know a little bit about, right, Ben? Yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, supporting them over the years, and uh, just a great, great uh, organization, uh, supporting uh, a very important mission for uh, the nation, and they've been doing that for well over 60 years, and, and uh, they'll be uh, doing it for many decades into the future as well. Absolutely, along with NSWC Crane. Yes, sir. You bet. Hey, so some highlights this era, really, a lot of growth in technical efforts at Crane, in particular non-ordinance technical efforts. And we talked last time, Ben, about the quality evaluation lab that was stood up in 1947 and Gene DeVault and how that really marked the beginning of this transformation technically. And uh, you and I were talking a little bit before about, about some, some information you had on that quality evaluation lab. So let's start off by talking a little bit about that because that, that continued on into this era, into the 60s. Yeah, you know, Sandy, it's interesting that uh, that QEL that uh, was stood up by DeVault and uh, Yeager, uh, those those two individuals um, just uh, really had a vision for moving forward. And I mentioned in the last session, uh, one of my good friends uh, from Odin, uh, Talisa Wadsworth, had, had passed along to me this book uh, that was referenced, uh, yes, last time, called A Good Neighbor, uh, The First 50 Years at Crane. And um, as she passed that along, as I was studying through that, she also shared with me that her, her father, Harold Forston, worked in the Quality Evaluation Laboratory here at Crane. And that Quality Evaluation Lab, you know, we talked about inspection uh, last time as right. well as one of a key component, and, and safety was, was a big part of that as well. And, um, you know, Crane has always done well, I believe, over the years in recognizing uh, great performance of their workforce. And one of the things back in the 1960s that I ran across and 
So he said, shared with me were some individual safety pins that her dad mm. had received uh, when he was a manager for safety and safety records, no uh, safety incidents occurring in your particular organization resulted in uh, recognition on a yearly basis of that performance and that focus on safety. Mm. And, you know, I've seen over my years at Crane and the three plus decades that I've been here that, that safety is just uh, embedded in the things that we do and the way that we perform our work. Wow. Yeah, so that's really interesting. It, you can trace a lot of roots back to these things. And I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of, of doing this is to really kind of understand where our history and our heritage uh, comes from and, and how, it, how it marks the crane of today. You know, this quality evaluation lab did a lot of things. Gyroscopes at the time, guided missile fuses, microelectronic module circuits, missile aircraft batteries, aircraft control instruments, even electronic items. So a lot of components there. And that was all important because at that time, 64 to 72 was the uh, Southeast Asia War and a lot of build up and execution of that war. So, you know, as we said, a lot, a lot of support. We already talked about some of the, some of the radar work and, and, and one of the areas that Crane really evolved into at this point was also small arms. And uh, so the guy named Leonard Arnold, who was actually uh, a father figure, if you will, for Crane small arms, he was assigned total engineering responsibilities for small arms, um, arms mounts, ammunition, and also designed and development of guns and mounts of all kinds of small caliber for, for, the, for the Navy forces. And, and Ben, there was this, this twin 50 caliber machine gun as well, some of these mounts that, uh, that, that were worked on here at Crane, right? Yeah, that 50 caliber machine mount concept was initiated here at Crane and it was installed on river patrol boats, air cushion boats, and assault boats and many other types of uh, vessels that were needed to have that type and level of protection, as well as uh, you know firepower on them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so this was all during the Vietnam War. And of course, a lot of demand for infrared decoys and flares was also critical during that, during the Vietnam War. So just lots of stuff uh, came from Crane uh, and a real focus at that time as we evolved from ordnance into some other things. And, and really, Crane talked about an existence that was there to support ships, aircraft, and submarines at sea, you know, really focusing on, on fleet readiness. And so, Ben, a fun little fact about an Admiral at Crane. You want to share that for us? Yeah, in June 1968, even though it was a really short time, uh, the captain at the time, Captain Chrisman, became the highest ranking naval officer to, to serve as the commanding officer of Crane when he was promoted to uh, the rank of Rear Admiral. Yeah, so Crane at one time had a Rear Admiral, at least for a little time, as, as, as a commanding officer. It's kind of fun stuff there. Hey, and so also, you know, we report up to the NAVC chain, which is our three-star command. And, uh, and NAVC was formed in July of 1974, so also during this period. And, and that was big because what NAVC did was made a cha name change, didn't they, Ben, here at Crane? Yeah, it changes from uh, NAD Crane, which is how I kind of knew it when I was growing up. And I remember seeing signs uh, on the right. highways pointing to NAD Crane. And, and, and I kind of remember back in the 70s when uh, we, those signs changed and we became known as the Naval Weapons Support Center Crane. Yeah, and that's kind of hard to say, Naval Weapons Support Center. It's hard to get your mind around NWSC Crane, for those of us who now work for NSWC Crane, but, uh, but, but it works out nicely, doesn't it? Yes, so, it does. So during this era, a lot of non-ordnance workload, so thinking back to Gene DeVault, the Quality Evaluation Lab, and sort of the technical godfather and his vision, uh, this non-ordnance workload really continued to grow. A lot of work, you mentioned, Ben, the ballistic missile systems and 
So Polaris, Poseidon, the new Trident program all kind of have their, have their roots back in this era. Yeah, and I think the, you know, the great work that was being done at that time uh, was really starting to gain as a reputation uh, as Crane being that place to go to when you needed to have mm -hmm. your problems solved. And NavAir came to Crane during this period and yeah. they asked us to start performing work on the LQ-99 tactical jamming system. Uh, we stood at the depot in 1974 for that particular system. and it. You know, Sandy, I just want to pause there for a second and just mention, you know, the demo operations uh, and the hands-on workload is really what drove, I believe, the strong technical talent that exists within the workforce. The ability to go from uh, the theoretical that you learn about in college and school and then see it actually applied mm. is so important right. to be able to understand how to work to solve problems. And, such a key part of that is the, the engineers and the technicians working very closely together to be able to, to learn and, and, and really develop uh, the skill sets that are needed as, as people progress along in their career from working on problems that might seem you know, generally simple to, to being able to handle much more complex problems and take on many leadership roles in the technical arena. And, and that evolution and that the development of people who get really strong technical skills, I believe, is just foundationally rooted in our ability to have hands-on level work. Absolutely, and you know, hands-on level work at that time was in things such as batteries, small arms, electro-optics, RF components, acoustic devices, um, just, just bigger, more diverse, diverse growth, radar systems, right? A lot of in-service support there, and, and I could go on and on, but just in general, a lot of synchros, electromechanical devices, and just, a lot of things happening at this time period. And one of the big things we talked about, Ben, was, was in radar, right? The microwave tubes, the, the traveling wave tubes, if you will. Yeah, I spent some time over there, and we'll talk a little bit about that maybe yeah. in the next session too. Uh, uh, but uh, but, but the, the, the new technologies and the adaptation of, of even commercial technologies into uh, being able to transition that into warfighting capability and, and develop that into systems capable of providing the warfighters with what they need um, has uh, really been one of those things that I've seen really resonate continually over the years um, as, as we have to adapt to provide the level of support that's needed to our warfighters, Sandy. Well, what's interesting is Crane also became very good at testing and evaluation capabilities, but in the process, again, because the application that you talked about, Ben, the applied engineering also developed this competency to design, build, and, and, and repair test equipment facilities. So it was not only executing the test, but also designing the ability to, to execute those tests, which, I've, which I found interesting. So the whole idea was really to, to focus there. So Yeah, and then putting that in to the, you know, kind of the next step too, is, is once you, you're building the equipment, you're testing the equipment, you're gaining those skills, uh, it just stands to reason that when you're the technical experts in these areas, it pulls you in to support directly, to, uh, directly support as well. Yeah. That led really to the stand up of a fleet logistics support department at Crane, which is a spinoff of that Crane evaluation, Crane, Crane's quality evaluation uh, laboratory. And they focused on activities per, primarily focused on maintenance of highly technical and complex hardware for all the military services. Yeah, good point, Ben. You know, a lot went on during those years, 61 to 81, but uh, you know, perhaps one of the biggest transitions happening at Crane, in addition to the name change, was that in 75, 1975, the Army was named the single manager for conventional ammo, and that, that meant something big for Crane, didn't it, Ben? Yeah, in 1975, uh, the, the Army was named as the single manager for conventional ammunition. 
Um, and in October of 1977, all the ordnance production and storage work at the Naval Weapons Support Center Crane would be realigned under the newly established Tenant Command, the Crane Army Ammunition Activity. Yeah, and it's so in this NWSC crane, I did it too. Transferred <laughs> 700 civilian employees over to uh, to uh, the people involved in production and renovation capability to this newly established Tenant Command CAAA. And that standup was really foundational because it gave an even bigger boost to NSWC cranes, what becomes NSWC crane of today, the technical. Uh, technical boost of technical evolution. So, you know, the end of this era too was was marked a drawdown that was done by the the, the Vietnam War being over, and and so, you know, uh, we would begin to vacate in the early '70s. Those those conflicts in Southeast Asia and withdraw, and so there was some there was some drawdown there of ordnance workload, and so it became fortuitous for NWSC crane at the time to be more involved in some of the non-ordnance workload as well. So. Um, some interesting technologies also during the Vietnam War, Ben, the, relative to some, some of the, uh, some of the uh, things we use. Uh, perhaps you want to share some of that? Yeah, I think uh, from my study on it, the Vietnam War led to some introduction of um, equipments in the area of night vision and radar technologies. Uh, it was all needed to give us an advantage over our adversaries. Um, it, it, it really resulted, though, in a decline in the need for uh, lighting up the skies with pyrotechnic flares. We didn't right. have to have all that. And, you know, Sandy, as, I, as we're talking through this session, you know, it just dawns on me, you know, Crane has always been able to change and adapt and, right. uh, and, right. and be able to have that vision and looking forward. And, you know, we spent a lot of time the last two sessions talking about Gene DeVault and that vision that he had. Um, I think we're going to hear about that vision and how it changes in the next two segments as well. I think you're right. You know, this this era kind of ended with the new CNO at the time. Talked about NWSC, gave gave NWSC Crane a mission statement that really really reflected this transformation happening after the after the the, uh, the Vietnam War um, to, to go from ordnance to transition to more technical work, an even greater percentage. So. Uh, uh, at that point, Crane had almost 4,300 civilians um, engaged in operations, primarily uh, uh, doing a lot of different technical things. And, uh, and so just a very small percentage of those folks were actually, that, by that time, focused on ordnance. Everybody was more in the technical realm. And that, that technical mission statement really focused on several things, focused on technical and logistics support of equipment, focused on weapon systems and, and some expendable and non-expendable ordnance items, uh, those things primarily for Navy ship and craft. So you see kind of this transition of the technical statement, the technical uh, work of Crane through this era. And so, Ben, let's kind of recap, if you wouldn't mind, sort of kind of three big highlights for you from this era that you see as we talked about. Yeah, Sandy, you know, this is a significant era for the non-ordnance technical growth that occurred at Crane. Absolutely. Uh, we saw the stand-up of the Crane Army Ammunition Activity in 1977, and we had a name change. And you know, your last comment about the mission and the mission statement, you know, that's why we're here, right? That's why Crane exists. And, yep. and our mission is to support the fleet and support the Navy primarily. And uh, the other services uh, also get the benefit from uh, the technical capabilities that have been resident at Crane for many, many, many years. Well, thanks, Ben. Hey, that's it for this second podcast of four in honor of Crane's 80th anniversary. Our special thanks to our broadcast engineer, Seth Packett, for his help with both recording and post-production of this podcast. Be sure to tune in next time. We're going to discuss Crane's third score, 1981 to 2001, 
For Ben Harkness, I'm Sandy Zare. Thanks for listening.